Morning, y'all. As Thomas mentioned, my name is Whitney. I'm on staff here at Covenant. I serve as the director of mission, and I'm glad to be with y'all today. Today we're continuing on in our study of the book of Acts. We're in Acts 5 today, and I have to confess something to y'all, and it's this. I am not particularly fond of the text I'm preaching today. In fact, like if I could never read it again, I'd be fine with that. And this is my third time to preach it today, so that's fun. Uh, but here's what I will say is this, is it is good for us to lean into texts that are hard for us. It would not be faithful to scripture if the only thing we paid attention to were the things we liked. Oftentimes we don't like a certain text because A, we don't understand it, or B, it's a reflection of us and we don't like it. Today for me, it's a little bit of both. As I read this text, if you find yourself feeling like, yikes, just know like, me too, I'm right there with you. So before we read it, we're going to be in Acts 5, before we read it, let's pray. God, we uh, humbly come to you today, um, God, confessing that this is a tough text. But Lord, I'm so grateful for the things you have taught me. So God, I pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear what it is you have to teach us today through the tragic story of Ananias and Sapphira. In your name I pray, amen. All right, Acts 5. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, took him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this. The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. See what I mean? tough text. I, I think it's important for us to name this, is that it is easy with a text like this for us to zoom in on it and to think this is a full picture of who God is. Anytime we take a story or a text like this and look at part of it, it is important for us to zoom out and to look at the fullness of scripture. What we see about God in this scripture is we are reminded of God's righteous anger towards sin of God's wrath and of God's judgment. When we zoom out and look at the fullness of scripture, 
we see that those things are most certainly true of who God is. They're undoubtedly all throughout scripture we see those parts of God. But they are not the full part of God. When we look at scripture, we see that God is loving and kind and generous and full of mercy and rich in love and has the Father heart. Our work today is to hold these two things in tension. There is a tension there. I can't resolve that tension, but I can name it. As we dig into this text today, our work is to hold that tension. I have three quick reflections for us from this story today. The first one is this, is this story is a great reminder to us that it matters to God how we steward the resources he's given us. Everything we have, from our family, to our finances, our property, our children, our friendships, our health, our time, all of it belongs to God and has been entrusted to us for us to faithfully steward. It is not ours. It belongs to God. And the moment we begin to wrap our hands around it and say, mine, is the moment we begin to enter into sinful, idolatrous territory. This is where Ananias and Sapphira found themselves. And it was not pleasing to God. This is a great reminder that it matters to God how we steward the resources he's given us. The second reflection I'd like to share with you is this, is this scripture is a great reminder to us that our motivation matters. Our motivation matters to God. In Acts 4, we see this beautiful picture painted of what the church looks like, that they were all sharing what they had, that no one was in need. People were selling property and, and giving the profits of it to the apostles to, to give to whoever needed it. It's this beautiful picture. And they were motivated by grace. Then we go into Acts 5 and we read this tale of Ananias and Sapphira, a stark difference. One of the main differences here is the motivation. Scholars believe that Ananias and Sapphira wanted to appear generous in order to achieve some type of status, some sort of important standing, some power among this group. Their motivation was not pleasing to God. I recently took a course that was for local mission leaders, and it asked this question, what motivates your church in mission? I think it's a great question, but I want to look at it a little more broadly, of, of what motivates us in ministry, in service, and giving. They talked about that, that as they looked at these different churches, they found three primary unhealthy motivations among these churches. To be fair, there are more than three unhealthy motivations, but they just named three. The first one they named was guilt. They found that guilt was one of the primary unhealthy motivations in these churches. We talked about this some last week. It's this idea that I have a lot, they have a little, it makes me feel bad that I have a lot and they have a little, so I'm going to give some so that I don't feel bad anymore, to kind of relieve that from me. It's self-serving. But something else that we know about guilt is it's not a sustainable motivation. Guilt is fleeting. It comes on fast and it leaves just as quickly. We know this because of diets. Diets that are motivated by guilt don't last long. 
Diets say, that are motivated by guilt say, I'm never eating a carb again. They made me feel so gross and so bloated. I'm going to be a vegan. I'm never going to eat that again. And then 12 minutes later, you have a slice of pizza in your hand. This is also the story of my life. And we know that guilt is not a sustainable motivation. It's an unhealthy motivation. The second one they named was fear. To be fair, our text today lends itself to that. <laughs> it's terrifying, but it's not a healthy motivation. For us to give and to serve out of fear of being judged or not accepted will lead us to anger, bitterness, resentment, and ultimately rebellion against God. Fear is not a healthy motivation. The third one, and this one I identify with, and I bet Ananias and Sapphira did too, is pride. But pride is sneaky. You don't always know it's pride. One of the telltale signs of knowing if it's pride is if you're the hero of the story. If they, they, they couldn't do it without me, they needed me, they needed my money, they needed my gifts, I was the only one that could fix it. When we find ourselves at the center of the story, likely pride was our motivator. But pride falls apart when this happens. As soon as pride doesn't receive accolades, your name on the side of the building, as soon as you're not tagged in the post, as soon as you don't receive a thanks, pride says, I'm out. What were we even doing this for? Pride is not a healthy or sustainable motivation. So what should our motivation be? Like, what does God want? We find in Psalm 51 that what God wants from us isn't our things. God tells David, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your heart. Our giving, our service, our ministry shouldn't be in order for us to receive something, but instead a response to what we have already received, which is the depths of the love of God that we have been so filled by the goodness of God that we cannot help but give of ourself, of our lives, of our resources because of what God has done for us. This reminds us that our motivation matters to God. The third reflection I'd like to share with you is this, is this scripture is a great reminder to us of how destructive our secrets can be. Ananias and Sapphira plotted in secret. They were led by deceit. They kept a secret between the two of themselves and they thought from God. And it absolutely destroyed them. You and I weren't created to keep deep, dark secrets. And I'm not talking about like fun secrets, like a surprise party or he has a crush on her. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of secrets that if someone found out, it would ruin your life. The kind of secrets that as I mention it right now, you feel your stomach drop. The kind of secrets that in the quiet of night, knock at your heart and say, I know who you are. These things lead us to shame. They're exhausting. They lead us to sorrow and we weren't created to hold them. Brene Brown is a researcher on shame and vulnerability. She talks about the three ingredients that are needed for shame. Silence, judgment, and secrets. What shame cannot survive, though, is being spoken. 
This isn't just information that's unique to Brene Brown. God knows this. And God has given us an escape route from the weight of our shame and secrets. And friends, that escape route is through the gift of confession. Confession isn't some power play by God that he says, I am big and mighty and and perfect and you are small and tiny and yucky and if you ask for forgiveness, maybe I'll forgive you, but I have all the power and you have none. That's not what confession looks like. Confession is when we have come to the end of ourselves. We are exhausted. We are weighed down. We cannot do it anymore. It is driving us insane and we we come to the Lord desperate in need of help and we say God we can't do this and he comes to us and says then give it to me give it to me let me take it and this glorious exchange happens scripture says that that he takes our ashes and he gives us beauty that he removes from us a garment of despair and clothes us with a garment of praise that is the power of confession I want to share with you a story of when I have experienced the power and freedom of confession. On June 1st, I celebrated four years of sobriety. Four years ago, I was drowning in the floodwaters of alcohol. Some of you are sitting here today saying, I've known you longer than four years. Some of you are thinking, you've been on staff for seven and a half years. Was this happening and we didn't know it? And the answer is yes, because it was a secret. And four years ago, I was exhausted. I couldn't hold it anymore. I couldn't manage it anymore. I was filled with shame. I was filled with sorrow. And four years ago, I, in the depths of my shame and sorrow, encountered the depths of the love of Jesus. When I said, I can't hold this anymore. And this glorious exchange happened. When he came, Christ came, and he took from me the weight of my addiction, the weight of my shame, and he bestowed on me the gift of sobriety and of freedom, and he set me on a new path a path where I was surrounded by trusted people that I slowly shared this information with. He set me on a path of a support system. And today, by the grace of God, I walk that path, and I pray to God I walk it tomorrow. But friends, this story is not unique to me. This is all of our stories. Each of us is weighed down by our shame, by our sorrows, by our secrets. But thanks be to God, that is not the end of our story because he has given us a way out through the gift of confession. The story of Ananias and Sapphira, they were absolutely destroyed by their secrets. But by the grace of God, that is not how our story ends. I want to close today by reading to you Psalm 32. Psalm 32 is a story, uh, it's, it's David's account of being freed through the gift of confession. After I read this, I'm going to guide us into a silent time of confession. Maybe some things have bubbled up in you, and I want to give some space for us to just be alone with the Lord. After that, I'll pray, and then we will sing in response to the depths of the love of Christ. 
Listen now for Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose, the record, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me and my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the flood waters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Oh God, hear us now in this time of our silent confession. Father, we confess our need for you. God, we confess that it is too easy for us to cling to the things that we think are ours. Lord, we ask for grace to release them knowing that they belong to you and have been entrusted to us. Help us to be faithful stewards. God, we confess that all too often our motivation is selfish. We pray, Lord Jesus, today that you would give us a new, a renewed motivation, a motivation that is a response to what you've done for us. And God, we confess that the weight of our secrets and shame are too much to bear. God, we need you. Our only way out is through the gift of confession. So we pray for courage to do that. We thank you, O oh God, that it truly is in Christ alone that our hope is found. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.